If you're an average player, you want to be left alone, right? Because you want to be able to slide by. If you're a good player, you want to be coached. If you're a great player, you want the coach to tell you the truth every day. Did I hustle on that play? Did I make the right read? Did I play the guy with the right leverage? You want to know every play. Because you know why? They want to be perfect. Everybody here makes a choice to do one of those three things. Welcome to the GOAT Consulting Podcast, a podcast dedicated to people striving to be a GOAT, the greatest of all time, serving it up in a way that you can get it in all stages of life. Hey, I'm Colby Jubenville. Welcome to another episode of the GOAT Consulting Podcast right here in Pod Studio One in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. As always at the table, sitting to my right, the CEO and founder of the GOAT family of brands. GOAT Empire. The Empire itself. Call me Tyler at the playground. I do. <laughs> the punt pants and kick champion. Uh, I'll Rachel Layden. Next. <laughs> uh, Tyler Burnett. And Tyler, we're glad you're here today. Thanks mm-hmm. for taking the time here. from the 19 companies that you run to be here. Uh, from uh, Brentwood, who had a little had a little move from, got transitioned off traffic. He's called me on the way That's in. That's true. Ways moved you around a little bit from Brentwood, coming down I-24, smoking hot. Red Hot, in that Cadillac, the guy that we call the LinkedIn Whisperer. He's the calming force to our show. He always has a cool T-shirt. Today he has a hoodie. Welcome, John Byers. You know, if you have not listened to some of the past episodes, you will be totally lost in the first, you know, 30 seconds. There are a lot of packed in, like... Jokes, yeah, in there. Well, that, that is all the better reason for them to go back and listen. But you Tell were your really friends. cool. One of the things that John's known for in our platform, and by the way, check out our new our new brand. Thank you, Jr. at Goat Imprints for putting that together. Uh, he does a great job for us. But uh, uh, John likes to be recognized for his T-shirts. Some of his T-shirts include. Help me, I can't remember. You, you're good at remembering those. I things. mean, we love just, is not canceled. Love is not love is canceled. Not canceled. Probably all, my favorite one. We're, we're in, all this in this together. together. Uh, I had the. I had, you know, baby Jesus for the Christmas sweater. The <laughs> I Christmas think he needs episode. a goat one. Baby yeah, Christmas. I do need a goat. And then a first, uh, a first in this batch of um, of podcasts today. Quick cast, a car ride to work, and a car ride home. Uh, we have our first Zoom in caller all the way from. We did. Uh, we did. Have. He's he's <laughs> now back, back. Uh, from Charlotte, North Carolina, where he let us know that there's probably him and four other people. In the downtown area, and he's uh, visiting Charlotte. He's visiting. He's yeah. he's from uh, Cleveland, but actually lives in Cincinnati and loves San Weish either way. Canton, uh, <laughs> um, Canton, yes, right outside. Um, but uh, Mel Gravely, CEO and and founder of a really really cool construction outfit called Traversity. Mel, welcome to the show. For part two. For part two. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. I, I do want to clarify one little thing. One piece oh boy. of data that's not quite accurate. Just, I mean, just and it may not be important, but it could come up later. I didn't found the company. I bought it. I got you. It, it'll got become it. a consistent theme. How about that? When we as we continue to talk. So let's. Uh, I just I, I'm just excited to be with you guys. Well, we 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 appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, in part one, we talked about uh, starting to begin your climb um, with IBM and, and how that set the foundation for the trajectory of your career. We talked about your your influence of your dad 
and uh, and the things that he did early on in your life. You gave us a great definition of a goat, a very simple definition that I think is powerful. But the, the theme of that idea was it's all the little things that they do and do consistently and the effort that they put in that ultimately makes it look so easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you certainly make it look easy running a, a complex, multifaceted construction company, which we all know there's, there's nothing um, – there's nothing simple about running construction, right. um, but we want to continue this conversation because uh, we loved it, and uh, certainly uh, I think uh, you're having fun with it, and we always love to bring people in that have fun, but what what I'd like to do is, is start with this idea of, you said something in our pre-interview uh, before the show, you said something about being ready so you don't have to get ready. And that, to me, ties into your definition of your GOAT. Mm -hmm. That ties into your mindset in in how you built a relationship with John very early on saying, hey, man, we want to be your best client, and we need you to coach us. And then you ultimately talk about you you view this thing as a war where you got to have people in the trenches to get up and go every day. Now, you didn't come to that. And and you've written eight books, by the way, went to Mount Union, in which uh, they won national championships in Division III back in the day. and you didn't come up with all these ideas overnight and and completed a PhD in what? Uh, business administration. In business administration. So I think what would be really cool is to help our audience understand those things, those moments, those defining moments that mm-hmm. helped you become ready. So you didn't have to get ready. So you didn't have to get Can ready. Can I one soundbite real quick as you talk? Because I want you to unpack this while you're talking about the topic for the today. When you said that, my first thought was similar to an athlete saying, I practice over and over and over so I don't have to think on game day. Is that part of what you mean? And so you don't have to answer that directly, but but I would love to hear some feedback as you talk about that idea and how that might play into it. Is it different? Is it the same? Ready, go. Um, so, so as we talk about that, let's talk about that, John. Don't let me forget. I, I want to start though when I left IBM. Do you remember in the last podcast I talked about how intoxicated I was mm-hmm. in culture and that and that drive and being the best and the swagger that they created? And, and when I left IBM, I left IBM to join a couple of partners. We had started an engineering firm, I'm not an engineer either. So you'll see a theme going along <laughs> with that as well. Um, so I joined a couple of engineers and we found, we had founded a, uh, an engineering firm. And what I found in that is we were very mediocre, hmm. very mediocre. Meaning what? Meaning what? Uh, if I gave us a grade, we were a C, like we were okay. We didn't like suck, but we weren't really special. <laughs> we didn't have anything we really brought to the table. We didn't differentiate ourselves. We just kind of showed up. And if people gave us business, we did okay. And it just never turned me on. And mm. it wasn't engineering. It was mediocre. Mm. That was my problem. So I had come from an organization That's a good problem. that had built an infrastructure and set of systems and a culture of being really good, great, special. And I, I, uh, I created, then cre- helped create a company that wasn't all that special. And it just didn't, it just never set well with me. And, and as I look back, that was the defining moment when I, when I, and it wasn't a moment, right? That it was the defining period of my professional life. Yeah. When I realized this does not turn me on. 
I don't get excited. I don't have the best team. I am not the best supplier. I don't have the best consultants and people around me. And, you know, it's just a drag. Now, you know, fast forward, I, I just never wanted to be that again. So I've done some consulting along the way. Um, but I wanted to be at the very top of the heap of consulting. So I had to get more education. I had to write more. So in my topic area where I was consulting was in the area of minority business development. There was no one in the country that wrote more on that topic, that published more on that topic, that mm. spoke more on that topic than I did. No one. Mm. Therefore, I had a bit of swagger. I could charge what I wanted on price. I only took the the, the clients that I wanted. You, you, can you see the parallel with that? Mm. And, um, and if you fast forward and jump to Triversity, if you look at our client list, I mean, they're blue chippers. They're the best companies on the planet. And um, I just, I, that, that is where I get fired up because I'm working for the best. They're pulling me to be better. Um, I'm working with a great cast of supporters like our insurance company and our um, banker and our accounting you know, firm and the suppliers we bring to the table. So, so there's this theme of uh, if you surround yourself with people who are at the top of their game, they'll push and pull you to the top of your game. Yeah. Does that make any sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the theme. And I, and I, I gotta tell you, it was just a, not an exciting time in my life running a mediocre organization. And, uh, and I never did it again. I did it once. I did it a long time now. So I don't want to make you think I did it for 18 months. And I realized, no, 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 no. We, we kept doubling down on this. Thing, right. Yeah. Open the second office and it was all mediocre. Two so questions. You were living in that when you were living in the mediocre. And one of the things I've also heard you say in the past is, and plays into the topic, successfully preparing for the next when we don't know what the next is. So you, the whole time you in there, from the first moment you realize this is mediocre, you were living in that moment. So what did, right. what did that look like for you? Does that make sense? Yeah, well, you know how, we, how life is, right? I mean, you know, as I look back on it, it's really super clear. When I'm living through it, I'm not sure why I feel the way I feel. I'm not sure why it's just not firing me up. I'm not sure why my team is, yeah, they're okay. They're not great. Uh, my partner was amazing um, and an amazing engineer, but we just didn't know anything about building a culture of greatness. And if we did it all over again right now, we'd have a kick butt uh, engineering practice, but, um, but we just didn't. So, you know how, I mean, again, life can turn into a series of days that you're getting through. And before you know it, it's a year and it's a decade. And you're like, wow, I've been doing this a minute and it can actually become, that can become a habit too. Man, I'm so blessed to be 31 sitting here and surrounding myself with guys like you, Mel and our team here, because that's exactly what I want. Jews away. I put, I threw a picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we talk about our perspectives in our thirties and, I'm glad that I'm surrounding myself with mm. the right people so that I can try to start from right now instead of not that anything you did was wrong, but if I can go ahead and know now what you know now, I can be way ahead of the game. And that's the kind of culture that I want to create. And I, it's so inspiring hearing you t talk about having a great team. And I got to share that with my team. I want everybody to be the goat at what they do. And I want to help uplift them 
and I want a culture that's incredible. Uh, we got a call yesterday from a guy that said, man, I've just loved following you guys and I want an opportunity to work there. That's cool. And that's the first, that's the first time I've ever heard that. And I said, if you're serious, be here at four o'clock today. And he showed up and I hired him yesterday. So that's what I want moving forward. Why not? And yeah. I, that's part of it. And and we're doing it some on accident, some on purpose, but I'm going to take that direction and really try to grow my company through those lenses. So I really appreciate your insight on that. Well, Tyler. Yeah, Tyler. And I go ahead. I'll tell you, man, that it, 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 it's infectious, right? Because yes. if you're intentional, the people around you become intentional. The people you hire are there for the right reasons. And the other people who aren't there, they, they kind of get weeded out. Like it becomes hard for them to exist in your organization. So this thing can actually take on, it, it becomes, in my opinion, it becomes easier as you go along because you've got more people in the same spirit you are. It's not just you. They're in the boat. They're in the boat. boat. You you know, I think everybody at this table, and I think Mel's a great example, it's what Collins talks about in good to great of Mm -hmm. of level five leadership. You know, and Tyler at 31 is is just a really interesting case of somebody with a strange paradox of humility and will. Um, Tyler is is confident. Tyler... um, uh, has done so many great things, and he's willing to go out there and, and take and take on any task and figure it out and build any relationship and figure it out. But he also has enough humility to say, uh, "Hey, I, I want to get some insight on this from some people that are ahead of the game a little bit." And um, and I think that's something that probably ties all of us together. You know, this this paradox of humility and will. Um, you, you talked about in. In your own experience, you said, I, I sat in mediocrity for a number of years. W- what was the moment where you said, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this anymore, and I'm going to go start my own thing? What was the trigger event that led you to that? It's funny, man, it, uh, it, that you would know that there was a moment, right? So I'm talking to our accountant, and he said to me, literally, how long are you going to let this go? Wow. And I said, what do you mean? He said, this is a pile of BS, man. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, you're just bigger than this. And it hurt my feelings. Um, but to this day, when I need my feelings hurt, I still call the same dude. Right? Wow. <laughs> uh, uh, because he had a sense of my personal and my professional and my company. He told the truth. And, uh, he told the truth and, and he told the truth. I hope partially because he knew I could hear the truth. You ever met anybody that you don't tell them the truth? Mm. You know, they, they can't hear it. Anymore. Sure. Um, but, but uh, that was the moment for me. And we immediately, and, and I tend to be this way. We immediately began to unravel that organization. Immediately. Now, one thing, because I've got an, another question. Uh, let me just stay focused here. W- one of the things we're trying to do is to get more practical on our shows. So as you think about this idea and your, in your words, being ready so you don't have to get ready, can you give us some practicals around how do we do that? Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about that, right? Because I, I think that um, things that have happened in my life um, because I cannot tell you where I want to be. You know, my wife has always wanted to be a physician and, and she is. Yeah. So that worked for her. Um, I never knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted to work right here. And then I want to do this. And then I want to, you know, so, um, so here's what I would say to you that, uh, and I think my dad knew this, 
the broader of your perspective, the more you can see the connection of things, the better things are. So get involved with things that broaden your perspective, um, that, that deepen critical elements of overall leadership. How do you build empathy? Because empathy in my mind is critical if you're going to lead. Yeah. And so where can I be in places where I can have to put myself in someone else's shoes? Where am I going to be in places where I'm going to see varying styles of leadership so I can start to model what I see? I don't want to just see one style. I want to see multiple styles. Um, I think education is a part of it. So, you know, when I'm running this mediocre company toward the end of it, I got a PhD. Now, that should have told you something. What the heck am I doing? <laughs> Uh, I gained 30 pounds uh, because I was working full time and going to school and trying to figure all this stuff out. But I think, you know, getting additional, um, even formal education can be helpful, uh, John, in a practical way of getting ready for. And then there's the relationship part of it. Um, I hope that whoever you call in any phase of my life, if you called them and said, what do you think of that guy? They may not say they like me. Actually, half of them probably would say they don't. But they would say that he is honest, mm. that he is fair, that he is very intense and serious. And if and he is dependable. And if, if that is my brand, then I'm good. I'm, I'm, I don't, you know, everybody's not going to take my style and like it. So, John, I would say to you that, you know, as you're going along, making sure you're clear about what you want your relationships to look like. I love that. Four good practicals. Well, I got good friends. I need better, deeper, professional relationships. Over time. I well, want to be your friend. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy, you can be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, as he's thinking about here, here's the only guy that's going to be at 98 million building a construction company like I am. So aligning with the, with the greatness in the room for sure. I, I read a quote the other day, Mel, and one of the things I think we, we do with our guests is we have this um, short little set, maybe we'll call it a segment, a guest segment where we Ooh. talk about things we think and do not say, uh. which is come, comes from Jerry Maguire, one of the greatest movies of all time, certainly a goat. But I read a quote the other day that thought maybe a good segue to this. It was from Desiree Linden, who's an Olympic marathoner. She won the Boston Marathon recently, and she's a rock star. But she said, stepping outside of the comfort zone is the price I pay to find out how good I can be. If I backed off every time running got, running got difficult, I would take up knitting. And that quote to me is powerful. And it really leads into the next, this next piece. And, and one of the things that recently came up in a conversation with a guest on the show, we didn't unpack it, but it was about a different topic. But, but she brought up um, this idea around um, Tyler, I think you were talking about a friend, and she said, you know, your friend wants you to see him as black. One of the things that has come up a lot, I've heard a lot, certainly over the last year, there's been a lot of tension, but I've heard, you know, I don't see color. 
one of my best friends is black, or I have black friends, or fill in the blank with whatever race, male, female, ethnicity, and so therefore I cannot be racist in some sort or see differently. So the, again, the, the, I, the question is, can you help us understand this? When somebody says, I don't see color, and I thought what Rachel shared around, maybe, I think color, male, female, they want you to see that. That person wants you to experience them in that way. Can you help us unpack that a little bit? Well, first, I think it's true. I mean, I don't need you to not see color. I, I, I need you to not judge color. Um, I, you know, so whether you see it or not, or say you see it or, not, or admit you see it or not, or acknowledge you see it or not, I'm still experiencing it. So, mm, I love that. You, you, you know, what, when I when I jump into my Mercedes and I have on my hoodie, which you know apparently is a thing on this show. <laughs> 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 and, and I get pulled over by the local police. I look different in my hoodie than I am in my custom suit. Mm. And if so, why is that true? Um, and, w- w- you know, so there's some realities. But I would tell you that, yeah, I, I, when people say that, I don't get offended. I'm, it's hard to offend me. It's really hard to offend me. And I don't think I use the word racist very often. you got to be a pretty, we'd all agree on the terminology of racist if I'm using it. We'd all say, yeah, that's a racist right there, right? I don't use that term a lot because I just think people aren't exposed and they're not familiar. They don't know what words to use and they don't know what to say. So I'm just down with authentic relationships hmm. and authentic conversations. So, so if some of my white friends say something to me that I think I want to help them with, I'll just share, like, I kind of like you to see my race because I've had a journey that has race embedded in it. And it's not the only thing in it, but it's embedded. And let's talk about that. So, John, I think, you know, I'm, I think I'm more comfortable with the conversation, though, than, than some. And I'm not angry about it, which the emotions is what makes the conversation difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And I love when you when we talked about moving into this, this topic um, before the show, you said, look, I am very comfortable about this topic. And if you're not, don't bring it up. <laughs> and I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Well, I think it's, it's, go ahead, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is I've gotten more comfortable over the last couple of years. I will tell you that I spent a good bit of my career setting race and issues of race on the side and pursuing success. Um, Because I felt like bringing it in made my white friends and white relationships too uncomfortable. So back to in your 50s, you're deciding what you really want to do. What I really want to do is not do that anymore. Mm. And um, and I only want to roll with the people that are okay with me bringing all of myself, recombining my, my race and race experience and the experience of others that I have a voice to speak to into the picture. And um, uh, so much so that I, you know, then the next book is on this topic. And the title is Dear white friend it's a series of letters mm. to my white friends that are a little bit about the realities of race a whole lot about the power of relationships and even more about what's our pathway to equity so wow. you know when you say mel what do you really want to do next i want to use the platform yeah i want to use the platform to, to to talk with people who are my friends that i travel with and hang out with and i think we got more we can do in this nature because i don't think love is canceled i agree with that with that hoodie 
And, and to show up and be seen for who you really are, right? That's that, that's certainly part of the conversation. I love the how you. I'll I'll lose, I'll, leave, I'll lose some friends over this. Yeah. I, I will tell you that, and that's the reality. What do you think that will happen? Uh, because I have friends that are uncomfortable talking about race. Yeah. That I have friends that are fragile around the topic because they think it means something that uh, they've got to either give up. Or that they've got to admit about how they got what they've got, yeah. that their that their success and, and the, the prosperity as um, is theirs, and, and if and everything is equal, and so those people will be will find a struggle being with me. But my dance card's pretty full, so I'm. <laughs> hey Mel, you talked a little bit about that. compartmentalizing. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing I've watched Tiger Woods in the first two episodes of his show and how he could really compartmentalize competition, practice, relationships, some for good and some for bad. Is that kind of something you were hinting at right there, that you can take it and separate it? from? Hey, this is a business conversation. This is... Yeah, and, and I got to tell you, have we, there is no goat I can think of that isn't that doesn't have a dark side. Right. <laughs> well, I don't know of any. Yeah, Johnny Cash said we're all good and we're all bad, so that's that <laughs> yeah. definitely the case. Just think about Tom Brady, who, by the way, just absolutely now has closed the chapter on whether he's the greatest of all time. I, I, anybody still talking about that can stop. They just they can just stop, and I'm not a big Tom Brady fan. Jeez, please. I mean, what does the guy got to do, right? I mean, going back to another Super Bowl is just amazing to me. Um, but but Tom Brady's got issues, man. I mean, this guy's competitiveness is a problem. Same thing with Michael Jordan. These guys just don't know how to lose. They just mm. pound the hell out of you, and it's unhealthy in some ways. And so I don't know of a goat that doesn't have a side to him. You're like, ooh, that's a little edgy. I wish we had a little bit less of that. Uh, so, so Tyler, yes, I do believe that this ability to compartmentalize uh, is important, um, but I want to do less of that as I get older. I, I just want to bring my personal and professional life together and have you deal with Mel Gravely, the whole person. And I don't even know that I know exactly what that looks like, but I, I'm exploring it right now. It was an interesting comment you had earlier about friends, and you said, I got enough friends. I want some more professional. Can you go into a just a quick – just talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, so I, I want to clarify that. Thank you for letting me. I, I'm willing to have more. Oh, for sure. I understand that. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I need it anymore, but I, I, I welcome having good friends. I think you guys can tell by my nature that I, I'm, I'm just a – I mean, I just enjoy people, and I yeah. – yeah. And the smaller the group and the more intimate the group, the better for me. I don't like big groups, but the smaller groups. But, you know, it goes back to the statement I made in that in that meeting with Locke that if you're going to be the best, you, you got to have the best around you and and the best around you in a relational way that pushes and pulls you to be great. And that's what I want. And if we're friends, too, cool. That's OK. But if we're not, I still need that relationship that is deep, that is authentic, that is tested, that is random. Mm -hmm. Because 2008, for the construction industry, for example, 2008 was a dark time. I do not want to be trying to build a relationship with my banker. Yeah. My balance sheet looks like, you know, a dumpster fire. Yeah. And one of my that ain't when I want to try to put it up the relationship. 
One of my takeaways, and again, because we're trying to be more practical, is from this episode, I would encourage our audience to do the same because I'm going to do this. I'm going to look at the areas in my life that I am a client, and I'm going to ask those to coach me to be better as a client, just like the way that you did. And that's one of my takeaways. It's simple. It's practical. Uh, And now, Mel, one of the ways we're going to honor you is I'd like for you to pull out your cell phone. And I I hinted at this, but we're going to switch it up because you told me you shouldn't have you shouldn't have prompted me on this, so I'm going to throw a curveball at you. I want you to pull out your playlist, and I want you to just scroll one swipe, and whatever five songs are on on the screen, I want you to. Sh- not, I told you that, and you said, "Oh, you shouldn't have told me." Now I'm going to know, so we're going to we're going to curveball it here. One swipe. Five songs, read them off, and tell us what it says about you. That's our next segment, One Swipe, Five Songs. One Swipe, Five Songs. With John Byers. <laughs> uh, the, first one, the first one is uh, Empire State of Mind uh, with, with Jay-Z, Jay-Z. Keys, the Jay-Z version. Yes. Uh, what that really says, I, I that is an inspiring song to me. That, that just... That's just an inspiring song to me. Uh, Europa by Gato Barbieri. Oh. Um, that is the song. If you guys don't know this, man, this song is just smooth. I know. It is my wife. My wife fell in love with that song and when we were dating. And it was played on this jazz station um, before they started their jazz session. I didn't even know what the song was. I called up the station and said, hey, what's that song? They told me, they say, hey, this guy's music is a little rough other than that song. But I taped the song, and when she got in the car the next time, I pushed the tape in. And, buddy, let me tell you what. You're talking about closing a deal. The deal was... <laughs> I love it. What was the name of that one? Yeah. Uh, got <laughs> we're, changing, we're changing this to... Uh, how to close the deal with Mel Gravely. Yeah, I'm a closer. <laughs> I love it. Re- Remember the time by Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and My Shot by Lin-Manuel uh, Miranda from Hamilton. Uh, uh, that's a great one. Yeah. Is that five? I think I was five. I got four, but I could have been off. God, I get to give you another one? Okay. This is really going to be telling. Beautiful. <laughs> Three-letter word, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know that one, Mel. Come on now. <laughs> this one is uh, is Creep by TLC. Nice. Love it. Oh, yes. Ooh. Waterfalls is on my nice. list. You're going to the John Byers. John Byers <laughs> believes that 90s hip hop is the only era of good music. Greatest so. genre of all time. That's right. Greatest That's right. Mel- 90s hip hop is pretty cool. It is cool. Uh, you'll never, I don't think you'll ever see that recreated again. It's, it certainly it is. It can't be. It's a it's a, a beautiful moment in time, Mel. You've you've made it look easy. Ah, so good, Mel. And and I think the reason that you've made it look easy is because uh, you were getting being ready before you had to get ready. Is that, does that say that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that right? You know, and it makes me think. It makes me think of this one last idea, and we didn't um, we didn't go around the room and share the goats. Um, 
there's going to be a special one at some point, but but we will do that. But again, Mel, Tyler gets shafted, but we got we got to stay true. We got to stay true. Stay true to our our quick cast form. But one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I think it, it certainly encapsulates what you have said here today, is that most people have the will to win, but few have the will to prepare to win. Mm. And and when I think about you, and I think about your story, what what I see is someone that was shown very early on that it's not just about winning, but it's about preparing to win. And then the, the baby steps that you took along the way to set your trajectory and find your voice and, and then create value for the world. And so we appreciate you uh, taking the time to share your perspective and yes. your education and your experience. Uh, I, I will tell you this, just from where I sit, I know we created, created two new segments today. Let's see, one of them is One Swipe, Five Songs, mm. and, and the other one was The Things We Think and Do Not Say. So, so, And we had our first Zoom guest, and, and Carl was able it. to, be a good day. to pull that off. I think if I could do this full-time, this is probably all I would want to do. So, Mel, let's get together, and we're going we're gonna to figure that out. And, and for Tyler... And John, and for Mel Gravely, Mel, you're awesome. Who uh, who is who is right there in Charlotte and, you, and headed back to to Cincinnati very soon? Hey, come to Nashville. We'll we'll take you out. We'll show you a good time, and um, we'll we'll let you hear some country music too. How about that? Ooh, <laughs> jazz, jazz. We'll go to some jazz music. <laughs> we'll go do some jazz music. I think I'd rather lip watch hockey, which. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll go to a Titans game. How about that? You you in on that? We'll go, we'll go with some Titans, although we're not going to talk about the, the Cleveland Browns and the Tennessee Titans games this year. Jeez. Hey, thanks for being with us today. Mel, thanks for uh, hanging in there with all of our technology. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time today. I'm Colby Jupinville, and for Tyler and John and Carl and Pod Studio One, this is the GOAT Consulting Podcast. Boom. Um.